0: Our scripture reading this morning is going to be in a couple places in Acts, and then our main passage that we'll read a little later is going to be in Philippians. But if you can turn to Acts 21, we're going to start with verses 27 to 36. So Acts 21, 27 to 36. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him being Paul in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and and has defiled this holy place. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another, and he could not learn the facts because of the uproar. He ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, Away with him! Then, now, if you could turn to Acts 25. Acts 25, 6 to 12. After he stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him. Bringing many serious charges against him that they could not prove. Paul argued in his defense, Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews, I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he conferred with his council, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall Go. They drove through them as wind among grass. That's the words that Tolkien uses in *Lord of the Rings* to describe the advance of King Théoden and his army in the Battle of Helm's Deep. King Théoden and his men had been attacked all night. And their numbers had dwindled down to almost nothing. But morning came and King Theoden decided on one final charge. So him and his men got on horses and rode into the enemy. Even though they had barely any soldiers remaining against this vast army. They drove with, with such force, such determination, such hope. That the enemy didn't stand a chance. They kept advancing, kept moving forward, and the enemy fell away before them. God's word tells us that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, will advance. Like an army that, that blazes through the enemy, the gospel will move forward. The good news of Jesus will not be stopped. But sometimes it's not easy to see. It's not always easy to see how the gospel could be advancing, moving forward in the lives of people around you or in your workplaces. In fact, there's there's sometimes things that happen to us that make us think that there's no way God could be using this for good or no way God could use this to advance his gospel or expand his kingdom. And it can be hard to want to stay faithful To him when doing so is really hard, and we don't often see the fruit that can come from it. But we'll see that that God will advance his gospel and often uses our our circumstances no matter how tough to do it. Turn with me now to, to Philippians, which is where our main passage this morning Philippians 1, verses 12 to 14. So here Paul is writing to the Philippian church and if you remember um, in the book of Acts during Paul's second, second missionary journey, at one point he, he travels to the city of Philippi, him and Silas. While they were there, they, there was a, a woman named Lydia who came to know Christ and then a, a little later, Paul and Silas were in jail in, in Philippi and there we get the, the really cool story of how um, there was, God sent an earthquake, and, and Paul and Silas' chains were loosed. And the jailer, the Philippian jailer, thought that Paul and Silas had escaped, so he was ready to kill himself. But Paul and Silas said, No, we're still here. And then they went on to share the good news of, of Christ with this jailer, and he got saved. And now the, the church in Philippi had started. And Paul loved this church. He was very thankful for them. He loved them. He had great joy in them. He considered them partners in the gospel because of their common love for Christ, their common interest of Christ. Paul was encouraged by their growth and would tell them that the Lord who had started this work in you is going to see it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So God started this work in them and God was going to see it through. That was something that Paul believed was true for the Philippians, but also something Paul believed was true for himself. Because as he was writing this letter, he was in Rome and in prison, in chains. Not because of anything wrong that he had done, but because of Christ. And the Philippians were probably wondering how he was doing and, and wondering how God could be using that For good. And yet, even though Paul is in prison in chains, even though he didn't do anything wrong, he says this in verse 12, like we looked at I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As we read from Acts earlier, and a lot more happened even from what we read, but a lot had happened to Paul leading up to him currently being in prison. On his final missionary journey, he believed that the Holy Spirit was telling him that he needed to go to Jerusalem, even though others had even warned him through the Spirit that if he went to Jerusalem, he would end up in chains. He went anyways. And when he got to Jerusalem, he was in the temple. The Jews started a riot, grabbed Paul, dragged him out of the temple, started beating him, and after that, he was sent from one official to another, heading towards Rome. Along the way, um, he was locked up. He was even shipwrecked. There was an attempt on his life. So a lot had happened to Paul, leading up to him getting to Rome, and then eventually being in Rome, awaiting trial. A lot had happened, and a lot that wasn't very Pleasant in the middle of all those, Paul heard from God. In Acts 23, 11, the Lord says this to Paul. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. I love how it it doesn't just say there that the Lord spoke to him, but it says that the Lord stood by him. Even though Paul had been beaten, imprisoned, people were trying to kill him, the Lord stood by Paul. And the Lord made it clear: you must testify about me in Rome. But take courage, because I am with you. I will stand by you, and you must testify with me about me in Rome. And as Paul is, he's sitting in Rome in prison, looking back at what had happened to him that led him to be in prison. He thinks about how the Lord had stood by him, how the Lord declared that he must go to Rome. And he trusts that God had a reason for that. He's able to say with confidence that what had happened to me, the events that led me to getting here to prison, and me being here in prison, all things that seem like not very good things are actually a good thing. That God had his hand in it. That God wanted this to happen for a reason. And that it has even happened in order to advance the gospel. The gospel driving through them as wind among grass. Which is is. This is really difficult for us to relate to. Because what Paul went through was really hard. He had to suffer. He had to face beatings, imprisonment, the knowledge that people were trying to kill him, being shipwrecked. He had to suffer in order for God's plan of advancing the gospel to move forward. And that's, that's really hard to, to know. We, we wish that we didn't have to suffer for the sake of Jesus. We wish that God advancing his gospel didn't mean any suffering on our part. And Paul even, he tells the Philippians a little later on that it was granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake. That seems like a a terrible advertising campaign, right? Come to Christ and you'll get the gift of suffering for his sake. We don't like the idea of having to suffer, it wears us down, it can deplete us, bring us to lose hope that good could come out of this, that good could come from these circumstances. But like Paul, we can trust that the suffering we face, the events that have happened to you, that have led to you being where you are, can happen so that God's gospel will advance, that his plans will move forward. I read a a great illustration from a commentary about the life of a man called Peter O'Brien. He is a a, a professor at a Bible college in Australia where for many years he has um, helped to teach pastors and helped influence pastors to write godly honoring sermons all around the world. Before that, he was a missionary in India and helped spread the good news of, of Christ in India. Peter O'Brien grew up in a non-Christian home. And when he was a young child, um, their family had a neighbor who was this, this single lady who had an incurable disease, and she suffered greatly because of it. Every day was, was a sufferer to get out of bed, a suffer. Um, she suffered and, and was, it was, daily, it was, a, it was a struggle in order to cope with the pain. But this lady was a believer in Christ. And even through her suffering, she had a profound impact on the life of of Peter O'Brien's mother. Because of her attitude, even though she suffered every day, because of her her words, her witness for Christ, Peter O'Brien's mom turned to Christ and trusted in him. And then she shared the gospel with with her kids, and and Peter O'Brien got saved, and then would go on to be a missionary in India and then a a Bible professor. helping influence pastors to, to minister all over the world. But when this lady was, was suffering, it was hard for her to see how she could have an impact on the world for Christ. Here she was in pain every day. It was hard for her to see how she could have an impact on, on Christ. And yet she was faithful. Even through her suffering, she was faithful to Christ and was even willing to share about him to those around her. What had happened to her had served to advance God's kingdom. If you have trusted in Christ, you've been given faith in Christ, God has you where you are. Where you are is no accident. What has happened to you, the circumstances that have happened in your life that have brought you to where you are are no accident. Maybe you've faced hardships in your life because of Christ, or just faced many difficult trials in your life that maybe have made living for Jesus hard. And sometimes it's hard to see how the gospel could be advancing in your life or in the circumstances that have led you to where you're at. Right, for, for teenagers, sometimes it can be hard to see how living for Jesus in school could ever make an impact, how that could ever advance the gospel. It could be hard, to, for, for those at work, it could be hard to see why God has placed us there for his good, because it, it might seem like no gospel advancement is, is happening. As parents, if, if we have children that aren't walking with the Lord, it can be really hard wondering why God would allow that to happen. What, what possible good could come from just the, the struggle that it's brought our families. And for us, it seems natural to, to question why God would ever have chosen to have Paul in prison in Rome in order to advance the gospel. For us, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, right? Like, here was Paul. He was the, the famous missionary, the famous evangelist, would go on three missionary journeys planting churches, traveling the world, spreading the gospel of Christ. The impact that his missionary journeys had for Christ was incredible. And there were many more places around the world that still needed to hear the gospel. How was it better that Paul was stuck in prison? How is it better that Paul had to suffer, be stuck in prison instead of being able to travel around the world and proclaim Christ like he had done previously? We don't only um, not like to suffer, but it's also really hard when we can't really see how God could be using that for good. Like how could these trials, what has happened to me, how could that lead to your good, God? I want to be faithful to you. I want to continue to proclaim your word, but it's hard to see how doing so will be worth it. Our passage from Paul brings to mind the story of Joseph, where we see God's providence at work in his life. Because a lot had happened to Joseph. A lot of really not good things had happened to Joseph. He was hated by his brothers, he was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. He was falsely accused, he was thrown in jail, the cupbearer forgot about him, and for Joseph it would have really been really hard to see how God could have used those for good. How could me being thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, be for your good? Or how could me being falsely accused, thrown into jail, how could that be for your good? But even though in the moment, Joseph may not have seen how that could have been for, for God's good. Later in life, he's able to, to see it. And he's talking to his brothers who had once hated him, betrayed him. And he's able to say this in Genesis 50-20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring, a, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are Today. So like Joseph, Paul as well was able to look back at all the terrible things that had happened to him and understand that they had happened in order to serve that the gospel would advance. Even if in the moment it didn't always seem, it didn't always seem obvious what God had in store, he was faithful to go where God had wanted him. We don't always see the good that God has in store but God calls us to be faithful where we are at God has placed us all where we are at in our families our schools our workplaces our sports teams our neighborhoods It might be hard to see how the gospel could advance in the lives of your coworkers in the lives of your classmates in your own life especially when you have to face trials But God calls us to be faithful, to take courage, to go where he has us and be faithful witnesses to him, and to trust that God will stand by us and that God will advance his gospel. As wind among grass, the gospel will go swiftly ahead. You can probably look back in your own life and see how faithful believers proclaimed Christ to you, which which resulted in, in you hearing the good news of Jesus and you coming to know Christ. Cassandra's grandpa grew up in a rough family home in, in Northern Ireland, and one day when he's he was an older child, he was playing soccer with a bunch of his friends, and the, the leader of his gang called Billy said to Cassandra's grandpa and his friends, um, We should all go down the street to church and go get saved. And Cassandra's grandpa and their friends all went to church that day. And they were at this this Sunday school. And the Sunday school teacher was was teaching about the good news of Jesus. And Cassandra's grandpa um, remembers being really hesitant at first. Because he thought that being a Christian meant that he wouldn't be able to fight his three older brothers anymore. And he didn't know if he could do that. Um, But he went back the next Sunday. And again, that Sunday school teacher was, was faithfully preaching the good news and posed Jesus' question um, to Cassandra's grandpa and, and the friends, um, do you want to be healed? And Cassandra's grandpa stayed back after Sunday school and trusted in Christ. And then he ended up moving to Canada and marrying a, uh, a godly woman and, and they had four kids who were all serving the Lord, one of them being Cassandra's mom who also uh, married a, a godly uh, husband and, and they had kids and one of them being Cassandra and they they shared the gospel faithfully with their kids and Cassandra trusted in Christ. God saved her. And then now for us, we are we are hoping and praying that the Lord will save our boys and we desire to raise them in the ways of the Lord and praying that the Lord will advance his kingdom through their lives. So if you are in Christ, all of us have stories of how faithful believers were willing to share the gospel with us, the good news with us, even though doing so was sometimes at, at great personal cost. Or people that we, we witnessed in our lives that were faithful to Christ even through really difficult circumstances in their lives. It's cool to look back to see how God has worked in our lives and the lives of those around us to make the gospel known. Where God has you is no accident. And he calls us to be faithful, to be witnesses for him where he has us. A lot may have happened in your life. Difficult things that have have brought you to where you are now. Maybe many sleepless nights, many tears. Difficult circumstances where you may not have understood why God would allow these to happen. But God has led you to where you are and called you to be faithful. Look for opportunities where you are at to point people to Christ. Look for ways to proclaim Jesus, knowing that God wants to use you and has you where you are. For Paul, even though in the moment he may not have seen how what had happened to him meant that the gospel was advancing... As he's writing to the Philippians, he's able to see the fruit of it. And he tells us two big um, ways that what had happened to him has served to advance the gospel, two big fruits that he's able to see from it. Look back at uh, Philippians 1 again, verses 12 to 13. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The the imperial guard was most likely the actual guards that were guarding Paul. Uh, They would have been the emperor's own troops stationed in Rome and and some people think there was about 9,000 of them. And the guards would take shifts guarding Paul And I can just picture Paul smiling every time there's a shift change, thinking like, man, I get this guy for four hours. He cannot go anywhere. He has to listen to the gospel. Um, And many of them would have heard directly from Paul, but then also many of them would have shared with, with some of their fellow guards so that the entire imperial guard would have known about Paul and known that he was there for the gospel and heard the gospel proclaimed. It also says that the imperial guard, but also all the rest, would have heard the gospel. And this is probably talking about many, of, many other Roman officials and, and many other people in the Roman government. Um, anyone knew, that knew that Paul was in jail probably knew that at some point the reason why he was there, which was for Christ. And we don't get clear numbers on, on how many of these would have come to know Jesus as Savior but we know that it had a big impact on God's kingdom and that through Paul proclaiming Christ, the gospel was advancing. God would not be denied. Gordon Fee in his commentary on Philippians says this, "'To the world, and especially to the citizens "'of a Roman colony, Caesar may be Lord, "'but to Paul and to the believers in Philippi, "'only Jesus is Lord.'" And his lordship over Caesar is already making itself felt through the penetration of the gospel into the heart of Roman political life. Same could be said of of our time, our culture. Uh, Instead of Caesar being Lord, um, inclusion, acceptance, celebrating the things of the world becomes Lord. And more and more we're expected to worship this Lord. When we look around us and when we see that the power of the world seems to be growing stronger and stronger in our culture, but also in the lives of of people around us, it can be hard to see how Jesus, hard to see Jesus as Lord and that his gospel is advancing. It can be discouraging when people around us seem to have a hardness to the gospel or when people write us off or, or not allow our voice to be heard because of the God we proclaim in his word that we bring. And on a a bigger scale around us, it it can be hard to to see the the direction our culture is going, but also on on a smaller scale and in our circles, people that we're trying to witness to, and it, it might seem like there's nothing happening. But even when we may not see it, we can trust that even in our changing culture that seems to be going further and further away from God and his word, that Jesus is Lord, that his gospel is advancing. Government policies might not change for the better. Politicians might not come to know the Lord, but even so, God's gospel is advancing, driving through as wind among grass, like an army blazing a trail through the enemy. God's kingdom, God's gospel is advancing. It may not seem obvious, or we might never see it, but the gospel is moving forward and God wants to use us to engage in kingdom work to spread his gospel to people around us. We see the second fruit in verse 14. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Those in the church in Rome Look to the example of Paul. They knew that he was in prison for the sake of Christ. They knew he had suffered for the sake of Christ. And looking to Paul's example, it gave them boldness, courage. Knowing they could wind up like Paul didn't stop them from proclaiming Christ where they were at. In the body of of Christ, in the church, when we see others faithfully living for Jesus around us, faithfully standing up for Christ... Faithfully proclaiming the good news that encourages us and, and spurs us on for good works. I know I have been impacted all greatly all throughout my life by godly men and women who have been faithful to Christ wherever God has them. About a year ago, in the office, we had an elevator technician um, pop his head into the office to, to tell us that he had finished his work and that everything was all good. Um, and even though he would originally just popped his head in, he started talking to Helena. Um, and, and then Henry Bowie was also in, in the office at that time because he comes on, on Tuesday mornings to staff meeting. And um, during that conversation, Henry started talking to him and Henry started boldly proclaiming the gospel to this guy. And I just remember that giving me encouragement and, and, and thinking that was so cool and challenging me to want to do that more in my life. Seeing opportunities where God has us and have the boldness and courage to proclaim Christ. For Paul, as he's writing to the Philippians, it's all about Jesus. What had happened to him happened for the sake of Jesus and his gospel. That all the imperial guard would have heard about Jesus that fellow and believers in Rome would become more confident in Jesus. This passage is, is all about how God has, has worked throughout history and how he will continue to do so because of the saving power of his son Jesus. God in his divine providence had his saving plan throughout history to bring salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. God had promised and God had worked out so that Jesus would come from the line of David and save the world. But first, Jesus suffered. Jesus was ridiculed. He was beaten. He was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows. And he went to the cross to die an awful, painful death. And I'm sure many of Jesus' followers were wondering how that could possibly be for good. How is this a good thing? That the Son of God was despised, rejected, given to such a terrible death? How could that be good? The cross seems like, like foolishness, but to those who are in Christ, it is the power of God. God has sent his Son, had sent his Son Jesus to save us from our sin and through the wisdom of God, the plan of God, through the only way he sent Jesus to suffer, to die so that if we call on him, believe in him, we will be saved. God is still working today. He is working in you if you are in Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. God is using you and fellow believers to share the good news of Jesus to those around you. And God even uses our, our trials, our suffering, for his good, even when we don't see it. And we can know and trust that God will stand by you. That God will be with you, stand by you, and that we are to be faithful to him where we are at. That God's purposes, his plans, his gospel will advance. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are sovereign, you are in control, and that we can see that from um, this passage in Philippians and also other places in scripture that um, even really hard things that can happen in our lives, we can know and trust that you can use those for good. And that even all, in all of those, that you call us to be faithful to you and to your son, Jesus. So Lord, help us where we are at to just see those as opportunities to be faithful to you. Give us courage, boldness, stand by us as we do that. Help us to to trust in the great name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and to have boldness moving forward, to live for you, to be faithful to you, and to proclaim the good news, and to trust that your gospel will move forward, will advance. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.